Welcome again to Highly Questionable. These two ladies right here, ready to cave my skull in with their sports opinions. L. Duncan, 7 a.m. Sports Center, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, and the That's What She Said podcast. Let's get started. Does Tom Brady's Instagram post make you believe he'll bounce back next season? The last time before this that he did the social media thing, it was a video about lions and his time of year, and it was emotional, and there were hyenas in it. And then Vrabel is in the winning locker room after holding Tom Brady to 13 points, making fun of it by talking about how happy they were to be hyenas. The confidence on an athlete of this stature is the last thing to go, and the mirror is the last thing to know. What you saw at the end of last season was exactly what a washed 42-year-old quarterback who's being supported by things looks like, where he can bring it occasionally, and he'll make some throws that remind you that he's the Brady of old, and now where we're headed is to in a quarterback class that's weak when people need quarterbacks all over the place. Maybe one season of Brady is what you want, but my guess is it's going to look a lot worse than what even this season looked like. Yeah, this is a great, highly questionable question because it's highly questionable to think that an Instagram post could tell us whether he's going to bounce back. What will probably tell us is how serious are the elbow and foot injuries that plagued him over the end of this season? How much more does he drop off because of age? Where is he playing next year? That matters. How supported is he? What's his offensive line like? How many weapons does he have? All of those things are wait and see, and we hate doing that in this industry. I think Tom Brady will return to the Patriots for one final season where everyone will know it's the final season. They've seen the warning signs now. They'll enter in thinking, this is our last shot. Let's appreciate it no matter how it goes, which is not how the Patriots have operated thus far and is maybe a little too Pollyannish and nostalgic for people out there who want them to still be cold-blooded. I think that's how it's going to go. Whether or not he bounces back really matters how much the injuries were the reason that he dropped off so much this year and how much it's that he's almost as old as Dan is and he's playing in the NFL. Right, and Dan probably popped an ACL getting out of bed this morning. Um, you're wow. right. The Patriots. Jesus, I'm just coming saying, out of the box strong. <laughs> the Patriots are not sentimental, as Vince Wilford. He's a future Hall of Famer there, and they let him go unceremoniously. I think the reason that tells me that Tom Brady's not going to bounce back next year, despite playing with a chip on the shoulder, inevitably that he will be playing with, is because the Patriots are always looking for people to blame when they don't make a Super Bowl. Before this year, the last time they didn't make a Super Bowl in 2015, they blamed their offensive line. It's why they went and got Dante Scarnecchia out of retirement. They went to subsequently three straight Super Bowls. They didn't go this year. Dante Scarnecchia is still there, and that O-line, despite having a bad start to the year, was really good down the stretch. In fact, he faced the fourth lowest amount of pressures of any quarterback in the league, telling me that it's not a protection problem, telling me that the idea of before, that if you just give him a clean pocket, Tom Brady can sit in there and pick people apart, that's not the case. The issue is not even chemistry with his receivers. The issue is he has receivers that are getting no separation. In fact, they were one of the worst in the league at getting separation this year. Until you tell me that that's going to change next year, I don't think that a 43-year-old with diminishing skills is suddenly going to figure it out. This is what I'm telling you about 40-year-old quarterbacks, and you just saw Josh McCown trying to do it. I threw out my back sneezing in my <laughs> mid-40s. Like, Tom Brady trying to play in a new NFL with new rules. The body's going to start hurting in certain places. My friend's sister tore her MCL doing the worm on the floor of the nightclub <laughs> on 80s night. And I'm like, girl. What a way to not, go out, that's though. not good at any age, but, you know, mid-30s <laughs> might be time to... Retire it. <laughs> Is the Rooney rule broken? 
You're not going to hear a whole lot of people arguing that it's working. You will hear some say, hey, it's better than it was, which isn't actually something that resembles equality. This is coming up because Eric Bieniemy is one of the candidates that you would think if this person were a white person, this is a person who would look like he would get the next head coaching job. But the reason the Rooney Rule is not working since being implemented in 2003 is above the coaches. It's because you've got nothing in ownership that is a minority. You've got one black general manager and until people in power are comfortable hiring people who don't look like them, sound like them, come from experiences like them, it becomes impossible for the Rooney Rule to be anything more than gift wrapping around an issue that can't be solved until the power solves it. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. There are always two main talking points for the Rooney Rule apologists in the NFL. The first one being that things are cyclical. And to your point, there was three black head coaches when it was implemented in 2003. More recently, there was eight. Now there's three again. But that will course correct eventually. The second talking point is always that, well, the pipeline to being a head coach is first being a coordinator, specifically an offensive coordinator. And of course, there's just not a huge group to choose from as it relates to minority coordinators. And that, to me, is the problem, that the Rooney Rule only applies to head coaching positions and GMs. It doesn't apply to coordinators. And you bring up Eric Bieniemy. I'm going to bring up Byron Leftwich. Listen, he's an offensive coordinator for Tampa, and despite having Mr. Pick 6 under center for him, he helped orchestrate an offense that had more passing yards per game than anybody in the entire NFL. Yes, even more than your beloved Ravens and your Chiefs. And he couldn't even get an interview. He couldn't even be the total black dude that you talk to in order to check that box. And that, to me, is the issue, is that until they start implementing some rules to make sure that coordinators are giving the opportunity, there's no pipeline for them. Yeah, you guys are both right. It's below and above the coaching positions. It's the ownership and GMs that don't reflect the 70% of the league that is black, that is players. And it's the pipeline that doesn't have enough minority candidates in it. Uh, How do you fix those? Well, it's any number of things, but part of that, I think, has to be people who are willing to speak up people who are willing to advocate for others. And even then it might be a problem because Andy Reid's been telling everyone, steal my best guy. I want him to have the opportunity. And that's rare for a head coach, right? To have to advocate on behalf of other teams stealing a guy who's been so successful for him in Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs. You know, this is something that we go over over and over again. Two of the last 19 head coaching positions in the last three years have gone to black candidates. It just, it's not going to be an easy fix until the ideas and the beliefs of the people in charge change and the look of the people in charge changes. And I don't know if I'm any more hopeful than either of you that that's going to happen anytime soon. As we talk about Byron Leftwich, as we sit here and look at Eric Bieniemy, imagine what they think, because there is no such thing as a black Joe Judge. There is no such thing as a black Cliff Kingsbury who gets to fail his way through Texas Tech, and then the next thing you know, he's a head coach. If Bieniemy's looking at that, if Byron Leftwich, who played in the league and has done things on the sidelines that are now grunt work with these film sessions, they don't get to skip the line the way some of these other guys do. Well, and as importantly, when they do get an opportunity, if it doesn't work out perfectly, they're gone and they don't get another shot. Meanwhile, there are other white coaches who have failures in one spot and get to try it again somewhere else. That doesn't happen. It happens 10% less often for coaches of color. And Dan, you mentioned Chris Greer of the Dolphins. Is that not the perfect example here? We have one black general manager in the league, and he went out and hired a black head coach, one of the three in the league. If that's not an example of what happens when you put minority people in these decision-making positions, then what is? 
I have two words that prove to me that it's a good old boy network and always will be. Chan Gailey. That man has failed yes, at yes, every yes. single level he's That's been right. at, That's and right. they're pulling yes. him out of retirement? Yes, yes, yes. yes. We're not even making Chans anymore. The baby makers are not making Chans anymore. Does it feel unfair that LSU is going to get a virtual home game in the national championship? I want the New Orleans Superdome to be crazy, and I want Ed Orgeron to be a champion so he could go with the grass-eating Les Miles as the other champion the last time that they had a home game. This is an overwhelming team. They're playing against Trevor Lawrence, who has not lost, and this will be as difficult a challenge as Clemson has had because this is a road game against an offense that's every bit as overwhelming as theirs. Is it unfair? No. This was scheduled before the season, and LSU did everything to earn the right to get there. Good for them for having an advantage. Right here in the backyard, they'd be having a fiesta that's bigger than the one we've got down there right now, and it's pretty large if the Dolphins were good enough to have made it into a Super Bowl that happened to be scheduled here. It's a series of fortunate events and coincidences that made it happen. And to be honest, I'm glad. In fact, let this be a lesson, kids, on speaking things into existence because Dabo Sweeney's been pushing this fake narrative the entire year long. No one cares about us and we're the scrappy underdog, national title defending Clemson Tigers and no Mm -hmm. one believes in us. Well, guess what, sir? Now you're going to be facing the gauntlet that is New Orleans. And I hope, I hope that you're ready for the challenge. What's not fair? Dan Levitard, is that I'm doing a show that is based in Miami from a broom closet in 12-degree Bristol. That's not That's fair. True. That's true. That is true. Yeah, I'm not going to say this is unfair because, like you said, Dan, this was scheduled years ago, but it is unfortunate for Clemson. But thankfully, just like we heard from L. Clemson's ready for this. This is going to be part of Dabo's pregame. This is going to be part of Dabo's prep. It's not just us against LSU. It's us against that crowd. It's us against a city. It's us against the world. And that's exactly how he likes to motivate his team. So maybe he could spin this into a positive somehow. By the way... Alabama, when facing LSU in 2012 in the BCS National Championship, rest in peace BCS, faced them at the Superdome and mollywhopped them. So it doesn't always matter. Well, actually, there's another time that there was a road game. Let's see if we could uh, show oh, this no. to L. Duncan, Georgia oh. grad, the way that uh, one ended. Why yes, do you keep yes. doing this, Dan? Yes, look at this. I mean, because it's second and 26, you can't leave that guy that open. Like, it's second and 26 for the championship. Cover somebody. I can't tell if you love me or if you just love to have me on so you can keep re-racking that video. I mean, insults <laughs> are the language uh, of intimacy among cavemen. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have a college football team that you guys know I like so that I get to avoid one part of the show getting ripped on. Coming up next on my Soul Stevie show. Over-celebrating. Did he do it again? Oh, top of the key. Wow. Another three. Yes, the only time that's allowed. We're riding an imaginary horse. I think we are celebrating a little too much. Yes. Time to play the game that loves a show with two young journalists and an elderly levitard. Do Ouch. you question? Ouch. Uh, you oh, I'm tell sorry. I thought Poppy was here. I elderly was are. not you. I have become Poppy. I've become the oldest member of this show. Do you question Bobby Portis's contention that he was going for the ball? 
The Lakers smoked the Knicks last night, but Bobby Portis was going to get his shots in here. Let's look at what happened to Caldwell Pope at the mercy of Bobby Portis, who's saying he's going for the ball here. Good God. Good God. That was a flagrant two because there are no flagrant threes. I'm surprised this didn't lead to more people defending Caldwell Pope. His coach defended him, incidentally. Whoever it is that's coaching the Knicks these days, he defended him saying that was going for the ball. Then he should get his eyes checked because that was nowhere near the ball. Also, I really hope Nikola Miritich wasn't watching this because the last time Bobby Portis took a swing that hard at somebody's head, it ended up in a broken jaw in a trade. Wait, wasn't that the year that the Bulls players had to introduce themselves like in the arena? They had like a video where they're like, hi, I'm Bobby and I play for your Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Good I think to know they he's still have way. to do that. Yeah, I think they still have to do that. Can we go back for a second to see how this play started? Let's see uh, what, it, what happened here with Kevin Trying Knox here at the start game. of this play. Then it's going to be a launch by Knox. Nothing I mean, <laughs> at that point, if your teammates with Kevin Knox and that's the shot he takes, you want to do it to him, but instead you just do it to Caldwell Pope. Do you question whether the Lakers bench over-celebrated? There was a time in this country where people were arguing about who do you take to build a team around, LeBron James or Dwight Howard. Let's check in with Dwight Howard earlier when he made this three-pointer in a game a couple of weeks ago, and he's excited about that, and he's running down the court, and Boogie Cousins is excited about that. you got to leave him open there. So what happened last night, uh, Lakers-Knicks? What did Dwight Howard do? Over-celebrating. Did he do it again? Oh, top of the key. Wow. <laughs> yes, the only time that's allowed. We're riding an imaginary horse. I think we are celebrating a little too much. Yes. Yeah, but the Lakers are known to do this. They over-celebrate when Alex Caruso did Like, they love to celebrate ironic things, as if Alex Caruso's not a professional athlete. They act like they got the water boy to go in there with two minutes left of the game and put up a dunk. Like, it's kind of pathetic, right? Like, if wow. you're Alex Caruso or if you're Dwight, isn't it kind of pathetic that they're cheering yes, that hard when you know it's in an yes, ironic fashion? Yes, it's condescending, sure. That gives Dwight Howard two three-pointers on the season, which is the same number as Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Wait, does ben. he have two? Ben. Does Ben have two? I thought he only had one. I thought he only had no, one. No, because I think, I think. wait a minute, was one of them in the preseason? <laughs> does he have twice <laughs> as many three-pointers oh, as no. Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons is two of five from three for a robust 40% on the year. <laughs> wow. Okay, no, so you... congratulations, Sarah. You win that one, and congratulations, <laughs> Ben Simmons. You have as many threes as Dwight Howard. Highly questionable is broadcast from the Clevelander Hotel on beautiful South Beach, Miami. It's time to play the game that promises I will finally get the head not right. See or no? See? You tell us what's on television tonight. Uh, We'll tell you if we're intrigued or not. Tonight on ESPN, Nuggets and Mavs. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Jokic the other day had 47 points and no turnovers. And then the last time, Luka and Jokic were going at each other last year. You remember this, right? This is a fun last few seconds of the game. You don't normally get dunks at the rim in that situation, but he left too much clock there. 
Yeah, let's go back the other way here. And that's, yeah, that's tough to stop right there. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that joyous pink round man who's slightly less than joyous. Uh, L, are you intrigued? Score one for the itch community. A Doncic and a Jokic. See, yes. most importantly, because of the big man. Do you remember a few years ago when the center, the big man, was mythical? He was a unicorn. He was a has-been. He was just like the running backs in the NFL. No one wanted them anymore. No one cared. It wasn't a position that was important. Look what he's doing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Are you intrigued? See, always intrigued to see Jokic and Donkic and everybody else <laughs> who's going to have their names mispronounced no matter how great they ever get because we're Americans. And it's literally impossible that's to learn a name do. we haven't that's, heard that's the entire we time do. we were growing up. Yeah. Tonight on CBS, Undercover Boss. Uh, he said that with some enthusiasm. Sarah's face is showing some enthusiasm. I don't know what to do with Elle's face. Let's see what we have here. <laughs> so how you feel about this, man? You ready? Yeah. I'm nervous, <laughs> but excited all at the yeah. same time. To be truly behind the scenes where I'm not Drew Brees, right? Yeah. I'm just a guy. Um, that's that's what I'm, I'm most interested in. You are the most recognizable face in this city. Can we pull this off? I think we can with some good prosthetics. <laughs> He's going into a restaurant he owns. Walk-ons is my team, too. So it's important to me that I'm involved in taking it to the next level. Whoa. It's actually even better than I thought it was going to be. How did I just become Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Wow. Hey, man. Oh, What's going on, Chris? Wow. Nice to meet you, man. I'm just uh, I'm just looking for my second career. They will not be able to tell who you are. <laughs> I love the idea of Drew Brees being run out of the league like five years from now and then trying tryouts in this outfit and really like blowing places up trying to get back in the league at 46. L, are you intrigued? Um... By the way, Drew Brees, you're not Matthew McConaughey. You look like the Geico caveman right. at best yes, and like flea market Jesus at worst. I'm sure. Wow. Uh, yes, he does. That's true. Sarah, how about you? Are you intrigued? So easy a caveman can do it. But I'm not intrigued because I can already hear the Stugatzes of the world asking if maybe he had spent a little bit less time on Undercover Boss and worked a little yes. harder at the football, they would have gotten yes. a W this past weekend. Yes. On TLC UK, Extreme Cheapskates. I'm telling you, this thing makes me sad. You laugh now, but these things make me sad. They're disgusting. L, they're disgusting. What's this? Uh, this is going to be gross. Now what? All right, they might me do that side over there. Sir? Uh, I was vacuuming there, and I think uh, my wife lost her earring. Is there anything you can do for us? Uh, yes, sir, absolutely. I mean, it just went right through, so. Yeah, no problem. It just goes right in here. Okay. All right, kids. The first time that I had to dig into a vacuum bin, I was pretty grossed out. Get the quarters, get the quarters. Oh but now as I God. keep doing it just about every week, I kind of get used to it. It's become like a second nature to me. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, L, are you intrigued? Uh Listen, I once floated a check to buy a pair of $45 Jessica Simpson heels, then put tape on the bottom just so that I could return them. And even it's too cheap for me. 
No. <laughs> Sarah, how about you? Are you intrigued? I mean, I'm now intrigued by the idea of having kids because I never thought of them as being so useful. But if you can get them to do really gross yes, things to make really. you money, you guys should yes. consider. Really? Okay. I wasn't thinking that that was great for parenting, but you took it a step further. It's a reason to have kids. Yeah. Their hands are little. They can fit yeah. their hands into stuff. In small spaces. <laughs> Send them out to the beach with a metal detector. You never know what you can get. We're done here today. Thank you for watching 7 a.m. Sports Center. That's where you find L. Duncan, ESPN Radio, and that's what she said is the podcast. L, real quick, before we all get out of here, I just wanted to show you one more thing. Run one more thing real okay. quick right here. Oh, yeah, no. you know what? Uh, whatever. I'm dead inside. This doesn't do anything. <laughs> Except for the yeah, dust. What are you doing? How? <laughs> he never even started a game.